We're so thankful to have you guys here with us uh, Connect Church this morning. We're preaching through the book of Luke, and each week we're unpacking another chapter, another verse, just verse by verse, old-fashioned preaching, uh, that helping you all discover that God really does have a plan for your life. And every Sunday you want to be here because we're going to sort of like peeling an onion. Each piece uh, connects together and uh, we're going to show you another principle out of God's Word about God's plan for your life. We're really excited about what God's been doing in this series, an incredible move of God, our best year in our church's history, uh, numerically and and everything else, and growth. And so thank you guys for being a part of that. This afternoon at 3 o'clock, Blynn will and I will be coaching all, we got about 30 uh, discipleship groups, 30 different groups that are meeting, and Blynn and I will be coaching all of our leaders. So if you're leading a D group or interested in starting a D group, uh, be here at three o'clock and we'll spend an hour just pouring into you, encouraging you. And uh, so it's going to be a long, busy day for me, connect groups after that tonight. But anyway, uh, I'm getting too old for that, but we're, we're excited about what God is doing. Love serving you guys and uh, be a part of that. And so we're just thankful that you guys are here this morning. We've got several, a uh, few of you that have birthdays here today too. One of our special friends, Miss Cheryl, uh, she turned 70 today. And so it's just a good day and uh, we're glad that you guys are here this morning and uh, celebrating all the things that God is, is doing with us. Well, let's dive in. Uh, we're in enough trouble already. Uh, so if you live in Mississippi, Mississippi. Here's sort of introduction to our message we're going to talk to you about today. So I want you to get you mentally, emotionally involved in this is um, if you live in Mississippi, you have, you should have become very well schooled at looking into the skies and knowing there's a storm coming or Mississippi, there's a tornado coming. Uh, for those of you that are new to our area that just moved here, let me explain to you what North Mississippi tornado season is. This the window that you need to really be on guard. It starts on January the 1st and ends on Christmas. And so any time in between there, there's a good possibility that we could have a tornado. So just be ready to interpret the skies and know that the storm is coming. Here's my story of not doing that very well. Uh, In 2014, many or most of you will remember uh, that we had a tornado hit Tupelo. Uh, I was completely oblivious that day to what was going on. If best I can remember, it was a Monday um, and not my best days uh, uh, recovering from dealing with you guys. And so um, I get a phone call. And, I, and honestly, my wife does this and she means well, but it's just one of those little things, you know, and she's a wonderful person and great wife, but she just one or two things that she does that just, you know, you know, just, you know, just between us. And so one of those things is she'll call me on Mondays and go, you know, where are you at? And there's a lot of things that run through my brain that's not, you know, good. And so I just have to bite that every week. And, and so it was a normal Monday. Where are you at? And, uh, but this time she was much more forceful than normal. And anyway, and uh, where are you at? And it was, there was a very intense tone to her voice. And so I said, I'm at the office. It was a Monday and we just had a lot of things. So anyway, she said, what are you doing at the church office? And she said, get home now. 
And I mean, it was just like, what in the flip, you know, why do you, and so I said, what's going on? And she goes, Morville's canceled school, all the schools are canceled, our youngest son, Adam, uh, was a junior in high school at that time, and she said, get home, Adam's headed home from school, you've got to protect him. And so she's like yelling at me through the phone, and I'm, it's a Monday, I'm grouchy, and so uh, I'm like, you know, what the flip, and so, and I'm thinking the whole time, I don't say this because I'm not stupid, but I'm thinking the whole time, He's a junior in high school. He's 6'2". Uh, he's 16 years old. I think he can feed himself. You know, I'm just thinking that whole time. I don't say that because, uh, again, I like living. But, uh, and so, and then she says, there's a tornado that's in Tupelo. And then I wasn't thinking, Mike. And I go, there is not. And she goes, I'm down in the basement at the law office where I work. And she goes, and I'm telling you, it just passed over. And she goes, you better get home and protect our kid. And I'm walking out of the office, and you know, our offices, for those of you new, are over by the Mexican restaurant side of the campus here. And so I walk out underneath the drive carport thing, and I'm looking out there, and I'm going, Dad gum, there is a tornado here. Because uh, uh, all of a sudden, uh, debris is coming up from Joiner, and you know, and I'm watching the debris hit in, in over North Gloucester, and I'm watching, you know, where, where the outback and all that was going up. And so, so I'm watching all that come across, you know, and headed towards Scruggs. And I go, sure enough, babe, you're right. And she didn't even have the thing. I told you, but you know, she didn't have time for that. She said, and so then I was left in a quandary, Bobby. What do I do because I'm torn between the two? Do I risk my life in a tornado uh, or do I, you know, to go do what Belen said or do I go and hide under my desk because I'm fixing to die? And so I was scared not to go home. So uh, I chose to risk my life with a tornado because, you know, anyway, and so I get in my car and do something very stupid as I drive and I'm looking down I-22 in my rear view mirror and I'm watching the tornado. I hit Auburn Road doing 90 and I'm, you know, just, you know, coming down the road. I'm flying through debris, flying through there. I slide in in the old white Impala into the garage, uh, get the garage door down and no more. I'm not talking less than 60 seconds. Sure enough, the dead gun tornado comes right over our house roof the trees are going up they're going there and Adam and I are standing in the living room window going wow <laughs> you think that's funny but it's not and so about that time it goes and lands on the hallmarks and destroys you know all of that neighborhood and stuff it's crazy town and then it hit me Jim not only was I supposed to go home and protect Adam but the specific instructions, and every male knows what I'm talking about. You don't just get half the story. You better do it all. And so the specific instructions were get Adam, get into the bathroom area, and hunker down, you know, because of the tornado. And so I grabbed my 6'2 junior in high school son by the collar, and we're standing living room window. The tornado's already passed. And I grabbed him like this, and I said, come on, get in the bathtub with me now. It was a little weird, I know. <laughs> and so, so, uh, so, and he pulls back and he's like, why? And he goes, they don't stick it in reverse and beep and come back. The tornadoes, you know, it's gone, Dad. It's, it's out of there. And I looked at him, and, and a true story, she's in the room, so I'll just talk to you guys. And so I look at him and I go, you know your mom. And I'm holding on to him. And I said, we gotta, she told us to go hide out in the bathtub. 
and we can't lie to her because Jesus doesn't like lying. So get with me in the bathtub. And so we went and we got in the bathtub. So when mom comes home, what is our answer when she asks us, where did you hang out at? We went to the bathtub and protected ourselves. The storm is already gone, but she doesn't have to hear that part because Jesus doesn't like lying. And so that's what we did. And so anyway, there's a few things wrong with that story. Well, actually, let's just be honest. There's a lot of things wrong with that story. Don't do what the preacher said. But here's two glaring errors besides the other 17 things I did wrong in that story. Two huge errors in that story. Number one is... I wasn't paying attention to what was going on around in the weather. I missed all of the signs, wasn't listening to Matt Lapon, wasn't listening to my wife. I missed all of the stuff that was going on in the storm. And then number two, I did not read the room well with my wife. I totally missed her intensity of telling me to get home and watch our son. I just did not read the room well. And matter of fact, that's exactly what I want to talk to you about that Jesus talks to us about in Luke chapter 12. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 12, verse 49, and what Jesus is going to address to the crowds that he was speaking to in this occasion, he's going to teach them about how to read the room, how to be aware of the times that they were living in. And this is such a very critical message. We had a great response in the first service, and and I trust it's going to speak into your heart and your life as well. I'll guarantee you, though, as we begin this this morning, I guarantee you, I would double-dog dare, I'd challenge anybody to walk up to me and show me in the Bible where you've ever heard a sermon on this text. I've 30 some odd years been doing this, Chris. I've never preached on this text. Y'all don't like hearing this text. I don't like preaching to you on this text. But here's the great thing when you're just an old-fashioned Bible preacher. If it's in there, you cover it. It's just what God's called us to do. He put it in the book for a reason, amen? And so we're going to dive into this. This is what Bible scholars tell us is one of those passages that are called the difficult sayings of Jesus. Now, look at me this morning, because this is important to you guys. I really believe, especially in our Southern culture, we have some huge misconceptions about Jesus that have been propagated falsely by us as a traditional church. We believe and have taught that Jesus was a tranquil, and I wrote this down, I want to read it to you, unflappable religious guru who just went around spreading peace and love. Jesus sort of had a hippie, groovy vibe to him, you know. Uh, after all, I wore Roman sandals. And so he just sort of, that's the kind of Jesus that we sort of had in our mind and, and that we constructed in our thinking. And I'm telling you, it's really messing up the Gen Zs today, and they're deconstructing their faith because we presented them a Jesus that's not real. The fact is, and this is what you need to tell Gen Z's and your kids in your house and the young people listening to me this morning, Jesus, this is not what you've heard from the Baptist church, and I'm sorry because we were wrong. Jesus, the real Jesus of the Bible, was a polarizing figure. Jesus was a polarizing figure. You either hated him, Mark, or you loved him. 
It wasn't this feel-good type thing that we think of. You either loved him or you hated him. And people were not able to read and figure out who he really was. This is why I yell at you and, and, and tell you all the time, and we tell you, do your hear journals and, and get on the Bible reading plan and get in a, a discipleship group. And why tonight all we're going to do is discuss and apply and pray over the Bible and the sermon today because we want you guys, and this is why we take you through the Gospel of John and discipleship. Because I'm convinced, and what we've learned is our people in this church, all their life, don't know who Jesus really is. We've had this misconception. So we want you to get the Jesus of the Bible. So this text is one of the hardest statements and stories that we have in the Bible. Jesus is going to declare here in just a second as we read it. <laughs> and so I know you're sitting here thinking, gum preacher, it's Thanksgiving at least have us, you know, give us a day off. But I'm just telling you, it's what's up next. But hang on, hang on, because it's going to get good. Good, it's going to get good. It's going to get good. You know, some of y'all were Mississippi rednecks are going, yeah, now we're talking preacher, amen, we're going to get good. All right, anyway, sorry. So here's what Jesus is going to warn us. He's going to tell us about the judgment of this planet. And it's going to destroy it all. And then he's going to get really personal in our southern culture. And he's going to say, man, I came to divide families and friends. What? And the question he's going to ask the audience that he was speaking to, how can you not see the signs of the time? You can see the weather, but you can't see the devastating consequential effects of sin on your homes, your families, in the culture around us, the devastation of the tornado of sin is destroying everything around us, and you guys are being blown away by it, and you can't see it. He says, let me teach you how to read the room, how to see the signs of the time, and that's exactly what he says, and then he's going to teach them, and this is how we're going to end the message, how to bring Jesus into your chaos and to be thankful for it. Would you stand with me this morning? Luke chapter 12, verse 49, long passage. I came to cast fire on the earth, Jesus says, and would that it were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with, and I want you to underline this next phrase because we're going to hit this, and it's very paramount to the text today. How great is my distress until it is accomplished. Do you think that I've come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division from now on in one house there will be five divided three against the two and three and two against the three they will be divided father against son and against the father and mother against daughter and daughter against mother and mother-in-law against daughter and daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law understand the mother-in-law thing all right move on and he also said to the crowds when you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once, a shower's coming, and so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, there will be scorching heat, and it happens. You hypocrites! You know how to interpret the appearance on earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? And why do you not judge for yourselves what is right? As you go with one accuser from the magistrate and he makes an effort to settle with him on the way, lest he drag you into the judge and the judge is going to hand you over the officer and the officer is going to put you in prison, I tell you, you will never get out of it until you have paid the very last penny. 
And then in chapter 13, there were some present at the very time who told about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifice. And he answered them, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than the other Galileans because they suffered this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or these 18 on whom the Tower of Siloam fell and killed them, do you think they were offenders more offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And he told this parable, a man in a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, look, for three years I've now come seeking fruit on the fig tree and found none. Cut it down. Why should I use it up on the ground? And he answered him, sir, left it alone, leave it alone for a year also until I dig it up and put manure on it. Then if I should bear fruit next year, we will well and good, but if not, then we'll cut it down. You may be seated. Got a lot of ground to cover here this morning, and I promise you we're going to get you out on time today. The Lord turns his attention to describing his own time, but to be honest with you, nothing's ever really changed. It's still a crazy season that we live in, crazy times that we're going through. Um, did y'all see this week where Billy Ray Cyrus got engaged? 61 years old to a 34-year-old who used to sing on his daughter's Hannah Montana show. She thinks she's getting an achy-breaky heart, but actually at his age, all she's going to get is an achy-breaky hip. Okay, okay, anyway. Yeah, it didn't go over in the first service either, but I thought it was... Okay, let's move on. So, speaking of judgment. All right, so here we have God, Jesus, coming into the crowd, and he's saying to them, I need you to be aware of the signs of the time. I need you to pay attention and don't listen to bad jokes. And, and so I want you to pay attention uh, to things that are going on around you. And so very quickly, go ahead and get your notes out this morning. We're going to dive right into the text, a lot of ground to cover. And Jesus points out the chaos and the crazy season that they're living in in their culture. I want to suggest that we have the same problem today. So here's the first step of being being able to really read the room and being able to be aware of the season that you're in in your life. Number one, we're called to consider the signs of the times. We learn that Jesus says, pay attention to what's going on around you. And then Jesus hits them with his impending judgment message. Look at verse 49 again. I came to cast fire on earth. Now read, read through that verse. I guarantee you. How many of you have this as your life verse? <laughs> How many of you, all you sweet, everything goes great, and butterfly people, uh, unicorns and whatever, um, and, and all that, how many of you all love your Hallmark card with this verse? We don't preach on this. We don't like this verse. And what's Jesus doing? He's challenging his audience to a call to consider this is where we're headed. So, Pastor Terry, what are you talking about? Let me explain to you what they understood, and here's what Jesus was saying. According to Revelation 21, here's the story. Get ready. Jesus is coming back, Mark. 
Jesus is coming back. He really is. I don't even know if we'll finish this service out. Jesus is coming back. And when he does, he is going to judge this planet. And I'm telling you, Jesus is going to judge this planet. He's going to wipe it out. He's going to make it all new again. And according to Revelation 21, he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be everything this planet has, but no sin. No disease, no death, no, no, no sickness. Everything is going to be perfect, and we're going to live there for eternity. So you've got to get in mind how to read the seasons of the time and be aware this is coming. And I like this phrase in the verse. And notice what he says. And he said, and I would that it was already kindled, and I have a baptized people with, how great is my distress until it is accomplished. The commentators didn't talk much about it, but I did on this one. I may be weird, but I think Jesus was saying, I hate, Miss Marie, what sin is doing to the people in this crowd. I hate what the enemy has done since the days of Adam and Eve. I hate it that you guys get sick. I hate it that you guys die and your family members die. I hate every financial struggle that you're having. I hate it, Danny, that you're struggling with heart problems. I hate it that the fact that some of your marriages are breaking up. I hate it that you've got a prodigal kid in your family that you just are literally, you don't even know what to do with at this point in your life. I hate all of that pain that you're going through, and I long to fix it in your life. But I take great comfort in the fact that Jesus is grieving over the struggles. I don't know about you, but that brings me great comfort to know that Jesus hurts with me. That's a great message this morning. Jesus hurts with you. And it also sends a message that it's really not going to get better on this planet. We keep living, Mike, as if we think this is our utopia. This is where we get everything great in our life. I got news for you. It's not going to happen until Jesus comes back. And anybody else that's selling you a, a bill of goods on that, any other preachers telling you, come to our church and give, and your life's going to be wonderful, they're lying. Because it's a hard thing to follow Jesus. And so he says, consider the signs of the time, guys. How's it working for you? You see, sin ruins everything in our lives. And Jesus says, I know the problem is, is you all don't like re hearing sermons like this. And the problem is, is you keep getting your signal crossed. The devil beats you down with all your pain and problems that you're not seeing me and how I walk with you through the pain. Let me illustrate. Um, you go ahead and make fun of me. Um, my kids do. They literally just think I'm an old geezer, and so, and I'm cool with it, so whatever. I still feed them at the holidays, and they don't give a dime for it, so anyway, uh, so, uh, but here's the thing, not bitter, but just true, and anyway, so, uh, so here's the thing. Uh, I do not have Roku I do not have a stick fire. I do not have, uh, what is it? 
fire stick, yeah, whatever, and uh, yeah, you know, whatever, I'm not cool. Anyway, I'm you, I got my fire stick. Anyway, and so I don't have Netflix, and I don't binge, well, I don't binge drink, <laughs> anyway, so I don't binge watch, is that the new phrase? Yeah, sorry. Wow. Anyway, and so, so, and I don't binge drink either, but anyway, never mind, I gotta move on. All right, so uh, what I have is I just have an old-fashioned satellite dish. And I like my dish. And, but here's one of the things I don't like about my dish. I don't know if the Rokaloos and, and the other stuff, if they do all this stuff, but uh, I don't know what they do, but my smart TV, whatever, my TV's stupid. But anyway, and so, uh, but uh, I don't know how all that works. But I know with a dish, here's what invariably will happen, and the only problem with this and Belen will just literally just stare a hole through me like, what is going on with you? But I'll be in the middle of watching Duke play basketball, and all of a sudden, the storms will be blowing around us, and a uh, little bit of rain, a little bit of wind, and all of a sudden, right at the critical moment, they're shooting a three-pointer to win the game, and what is, comes across the screen? I, I just, my skin's crawling right now. Searching for signal, and all of a sudden... Blends half asleep watching the Duke game at night and whatever. And I go, what are you doing? No! And she just comes unglued. And she goes, what are you doing? Why are you yelling at the TV? It's a storm. And I go, I know, but I don't know what's happening. And, and I mean, I just lose my mind. And she goes, wait till it passes and turn on ESPN and they'll tell you the score but that's not what I want at the moment. I know she's technically right. I hate that phrase, searching for signal. And it has that tone. It doesn't say it, but I know it has that tone. And the problem is, is I get impatient and I get frustrated and I miss the whole thing. I think that's what exactly sin is doing in our lives in this generation. Because we're not doing well at reading the seasons that we're in in our life, and we're not reading the room of our life very well. And what Satan does is he takes the chaos of your family. He takes the, the brokenness of your marriage. He takes your job situation that you may not even get to work through the holidays because the economy's uh, tanking and, 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 and all the other stress that you've got. Whatever's going on in your life or you're a teenager here and you're going through high school and they didn't put your right picture in there and you got a big zit on your forehead. Uh, whatever stress uh, that's going on in your life that you're struggled with, uh, that you're frustrated about. And, and here's the thing, maybe you're just in a dry season of your life. And listen to me this morning. You're just not getting on what everybody else is getting in the church, and it's just whatever. And all the while, if you're not careful and you're not reading the signs of the time, sin has separated your signal between you and God. And what your problem is, is your focus, like I am, on the weather and the blank screen. And listen to me, whether I like it or not, the game's still going on. I'm going to find out how it ends. It did not end the game. It did not prevent uh, me from finding out. It just had to be a pause in that season of my life. And God is saying to us in this message, I need you to look at me. Quit trying to find joy and satisfaction and all the pain and all the chaos. Your signals cross. Sin has got you off of Jesus and on all your problems. And so he's saying to you and I, you got to get your attention 
off of the wrong signal. And you got to quit thinking that everything's going to go easy for you. Matter of fact, here's what Jesus said. The problem with seeing the signs of the time is that often even separates us from our family and friends. Notice what he says next. Do you think that I came to give you peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather the division in your families. There's something that we need to process, and this is going to be an interesting discussion in Connect Groups tonight, by the way, this verse, because some of you all Southern Christians are going to go, I tell you what, I divide my family, we're family first. No. Jesus says, if you follow me, you're going to have problems because you're going to represent me and you're going to follow me. And when you follow the truth, you see, everybody thinks they have their little corner of truth. And we keep thinking that truth is going to win the day. Listen, look at me this morning. Whatever side of the aisle you're on in your life, we've got you notice what happened in the elections, and so, yeah, I'm going to go there. So uh, for four years, over here on the right, the Republicans, you know, we got Trump in office, and everybody on the left screaming about his chaos and some of the stupid stuff that he does and, and, and all those things. And then, but they had the House, they had the Senate, and they were doing everything. So how was that going for us? And then you had the Democrats come in, and, you know, last couple of years, so they've got all control of everything. How's that working for us now? We're all doing great. Uh, and all these things. Can I just suggest to you, here's my thought on the seasons of the time. My last six years of my life has been crazy town in our country. Everybody thinks they have their truth. Everybody thinks that they have their way of solving all the problems. I got news for you. None of them really care about you. None of them really care about me. What they're concerned about is being in power and in control for themselves. And it's high time that we realize that they are not ever going to bring us peace, Mark. There's only Jesus. And I think we can do better away, and I can argue, and I got my opinion on what maybe it'll, but I got news for you, they ain't ever going to solve all of our problems, because they want about themselves. And so, when we follow the argument of truth, and now here we got today's generation, and they're arguing, you know, about, well, listen, I've got my truth, and you've got your truth, and I got, I got news for you. There's only one truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so Dr. Swindoll says this, and, he, and he's on point about this issue, peace comes to the hearts and men and women whose hearts are right with God. That's where peace happens. Pursue peace on earth, but don't be surprised when it's short-lived. I love that. Don't be discouraged because peace on earth remains elusive. Pursue peace regardless. After all, you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. Your new nature desires harmony with others. And so I think what he's making a classic commentary on this passage, this old school preacher, he's making a great point. Is he says, listen, and, and I want to go back to that phrase, don't be discouraged because peace on earth remains elusive. You hear what I just said? Your political parties are not going to bring you peace. They never have. They never will. You're solving, if you could just get my kid right, if I could get my, my husband to do the right thing, if I could get my job to treat me right, all these things. Listen, we keep hearing everybody, and we're going to talk about, you know, Hollywood's going to tell you that, you know, this was going to bring you peace. There are a bunch of morons that are screwed up from head to toe. Why are you listening to what the media is telling you? Are you kidding me? There is no peace on this earth without Jesus. And we keep looking for all the wrong things. So don't be surprised as you're reading the signs of the time that we don't have peace, guys. We're never going to have peace on this planet. Our job, look, 
is to pursue peace regardless. You know what that means? That means crazy town can be happening all around you and in your house and everywhere in this country. Are you listening to me? Your job is not to make all of that peaceful. Your job is to find Jesus. Jesus is your peace in crazy town. Our job is to pursue him. And the more you all will pursue him, pursue him and pursue him in the midst of crazy town, Jesus and you can determine, I got this. God's going to get me through. I may not get all the crazy stuff fixed in my life, but I know this. Jesus is coming for me. And one day on the other side, I'm going to have the victory. We keep trying for peace here. Peace is only with Jesus and ultimately on the other side. Isn't that good? And so quit trying to get utopia in your life and just know that this is what he's called us to do. So here we are this morning. Number two, so how do we discern the seasons of the, of the times of the season we're living in? Read the room. Number two is we're called to get your house in order. Now real quickly, Jesus tells a story in verse 57 about having a debt and you're, you're in an argument with your neighbor, with your family member. And he says to them, he says, listen, guys. He says, you got to know that uh, you don't want to take this to the judge. And what basically Jesus is saying, and you're hearing me this morning, because we keep thinking if we get all this solved, all this is going to work out. What Jesus is saying, in this world, you're always going to have injustice. You're never going to solve that problem. In this world, you're always going to have racism. In this world, you're going to have politicians who are more about themselves than what they are. I've got news for you. None of that stuff is ever going to be solved on this planet, in this life, or this country by any of these things. Those things are just going to continue to curse all of us. We're going to have to go through that. So here's what you do. Get your personal house in order because, trust me, you don't want to allow the government to make those decisions for you. Get your house in order, solve your problems, because I'm just telling you, you're going to get royally duped over because it just doesn't work. And that leads us to a whole discussion, because in our society that we live in, our university people, and I'm not trying to bust on y'all, but what's happening in the intellectual community is they're telling us that, listen, we're smarter than you, you need to let us take control, and they've raised up a whole generation that is saying, but this is how I feel, therefore I am. And so what invariably will happen to you in your daily job, you're going to work at a place, and you're going to be on the line, you're going to be in an office, you're going to go to school. And you're going to have your classmates and your workers come up to you and go, I disagree with you about Jesus. I don't believe in Jesus. I, disagree. I don't believe in your view of Jesus. Here's the way I feel that we should think about this. And if we're not careful, we, we, we believe that we have a soul thing on truth. And I'm telling you, we are deceived because we're not reading the seasons and the times. Here's what I believe your answer should be to your critics. God gets to make the rules. Doesn't matter what I think or you think about this issue. The world says, I make the rules and we exclude anyone that threatens our way of thinking. So look at me in a, in, a, in a basic, you know, here's how you answer the critics. And when somebody walks up to me and says, I don't agree with you in your view of Jesus. Here's my first response. That's cool. I don't get offended. Challenge me all you like. 
I am not infallible. I know you all think I, <laughs> so anyway, not after I tell jokes. Uh, but so here's the thing. I'm not threatened by that at all. So here's my answer to you about my view of Jesus. You get your Bible out. Let's start a mano a mano. And you tell me what the Bible says. And then we'll have the discussion. And if you're right, I'll be glad to apologize and say I was wrong on this. But the Bible is going to be our ultimate truth, not how we feel. Are you with me? And so when I, my next question will be to them is that God makes the rules, and so it's not arbitrary for us to decide what he gets to do and what he does right or wrong. He's God. Are you with me this morning? That's where we start at, the platform. He's God. He gets to make the rules. I may not like him. I may not agree with him or whatever, but he's God, and he gets to make the rules. So my question will be back to my critic is, are you really upset with me and my views of Jesus or what your real problem is is Jesus? Your real problem is you don't want anybody telling you how to live your life. You don't want anybody telling you that you're wrong or that you're doing the wrong thing. So invariably, you got a problem with me, you got a problem with us or whatever, but your real problem is you don't like God and he gets to make the rules. And so get your house in order. If you're going to really read the signs of the times, I'm just telling you, it only comes to the point that Jesus is making. It's time to repent and let Jesus be in charge, which is number three, a call to repent. Jesus is asked a question in chapter 13 about a group of Galileans who were unfairly murdered and their blood was taken by Pilate, the politician, and spread. That's why I'm so hard on politics today. So in the text, Jesus is calling them out, and, he's, and Pilate takes his, their blood, and spread, it just gets really crazy stupid, and he takes it to the temple. And then there was a tower that fell in Salaam, and it killed 18 innocent people. And so they come up to Jesus, and they're asking this question, all in this context about the signs of the times. And they're saying, what about people that die innocently? And that's a great question that we all have. And Jesus doesn't take the bait. He says, you're always going to have crime. You're always going to have chaos. You're always going to have confusion. Your only hope is to repent. Look at verse 5. Now I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Now here's what he's saying. And this is so important to get, and I've got to hurry through this. But here's what he's saying to you and I. Yes, bad stuff is going to happen in your life. We have a young man in our church that his grandmother died yesterday. Uh, every week of my ministry, somebody's sick, somebody's dying in your all's families, and I'm praying over you. It, it would be overwhelming if I didn't understand this principle. What Jesus is simply saying is, yes, I hate what you're going through. I ache and I hurt with you. But this is what I preach at every funeral, Mark. And honestly, it ticks me off when I go to a funeral and hear a preacher tell everybody, that everybody's going to heaven and everything's going to be okay. Because in my opinion, what Jesus is saying in the text, read the signs of the times. The reason what God is saying that we learn from the pain of the chaos of this life 
of innocent people dying is simply this, and this is every funeral that I preach, is listen, every single one of us, I can't tell you why your, your mom had cancer. I can't tell you why your dad had a heart attack. I can't tell you why your kid was killed in a car wreck. I can't tell you why that this happened and this person died. I can't answer your questions today at the funeral. I don't know why your husband had to pass away. I don't know why your wife had to go away. All I know is this, is that every one of us in this room is going to die today. Every one of us in this room eventually is going to die. And the message is simply this. Repent and come to Jesus and let him walk with you through this season of life. I don't have the answers, but I know the one who does. And so the message is repentance. The message is repentance. Dr. Danny Aiken says this, and he nails it. We need to constantly turn from the brokenness of a sin-stricken world to our sin atoning lord oh please take a picture of this write this down suffering and tragedy invite us to come back to the lord this is where you land at in your discussion tonight this is our answer we don't understand it all but know this jesus invites us to come back to him all right, so I've got 10 seconds left. All right, you ready? All right, so here we're going to do this. In chapter 13, he moves in and he tells the story. At the end of chapter 13, uh, is in our paragraph today, he tells a story about a fig tree. So what is the point of the fig tree? Here's what he's simply saying. He's saying to the nation of Israel, he's saying, listen, I know, I want you to know I'm coming back. Now here's the thing, y'all been rejecting me, and, and they, you're like the fig tree. You've been through this year season where you didn't produce any fruit because you didn't follow me, but he said, I'm going to give you another chance. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm going to come back, but the second year you better get this thing right so here's what he's saying what he's saying to them is i'm here you've you've read the signs of the time this is what's going on around you but i don't want you focused on all the pain and all the storms what i want to teach you is how to live at peace and victory in the midst of of the storm. So y'all get ready because we're going to fly here and I'm going to give you the principles that Jesus is saying about gratitude. And here's what he's going to say about gratitude. The reason he's going to give you these principles is first of all, he's trying to get across to you and I is that listen, gratitude is how we should approach God. He says, I want you all living every day. I know that all hell is happening in your life. I know that crazy season is happening in your life, but what I want you to focus in on is me. You still got me, you still got me. And if you live your life focused on the fact I still got God, thank God Almighty, I've got God, then I'm telling you it's going to change how you see everything else. And then secondly, if you'll take that approach, he says, I'm going to bless you with benefits in your life. And by the way, science has proven this. What I'm getting ready to give you is a list of things that will change your health and the way you see everything by taking God's approach to the storms and the chaos to be grateful for God that he's here with us. So here's the game changers that we get. Pastor Rick Warren's got these. Uh, he nails it. Here's what they are. Number one, gratitude improves our brain and physical health. Man, I pastor in Mississippi. Some of y'all really could use this. Number two is gratitude creates happiness. The happiest people are those who are most grateful. David wrote, the Lord has done great things for us, and we are very glad. Number three, gratitude. This is my favorite. Gratitude is the antidote to toxic emotions. Now, can I just share with you real quickly a confession? 
Uh, we was at a Casting Crowns uh, concert last night, and the lead singer there was telling his confession. And, and, and uh, when he started telling the story about him, how he looks at things negative, all of a sudden, I felt an elbow go through my rib cage and out the other side from my lovely wife. And it was something like, this is you. <laughs> and so anyway, uh, and she was dead right on it. As, uh, as the lead singer said, you know, he said, I can be singing to this audience tonight of 5,000 people in the Lander Center and singing about Jesus and everybody's cheering and they're, you know, rocking for Jesus and all that. And he said, I'll look out in the audience and I'll see four people on their phone that are totally oblivious, oblivious to everything that's going on, could care less that what we're singing about or anything out. And he goes, I totally lose my mind and all I can focus in is on those four people instead of the 5,000 is doing that. Am I the only one that thinks that way too? And so I just have this built-in personality DNA that it ticks me off and, and that's all I can see is the negative when God has blessed me with so much more. And this principle is so cool. It's the antidote to these toxic emotions. So you know what I've learned to do to what Jesus is trying to teach me to do is get over me. And when I do on Thursdays, is that's my Sabbath day because i got to sort of work with you guys all day and I'm tired. And so on Mondays, I try to take, because I just physically can't move on Mondays till about noon, but, uh, but on Thursday mornings is my time to just be my Sabbath. I turn the television off. I don't listen to the Fox News. I don't listen to, uh, the, to, to the Sports Center. I don't do any of that. I just have music, me, the Bible, and I just pray. And I don't ask God for anything on Thursdays, thankful Thursdays. And so I just spend my morning that morning just thanking God Almighty that he has saved me. Thanking God Almighty for his word. Thanking God Almighty I like to walk my neighborhood. Thank God Almighty that I can share the gospel with my neighbors. Thank God Almighty for the house that I've got over my head. Thank God for the, the cars that I drive. Thank God for my wife. Thank God for my kids. Thank God for you. Thank God that I even get to be a preacher and I'm telling you when I spend my Thursdays I am on fire and I come back and I start writing my sermons that afternoon because what? It just removes all the toxic negative chaos in my life and all I got left is Jesus and it's all I want because I'm telling you this attitude of gratitude will change how you see things and now number four because I hurt myself on three is gratitude improves our relationships <laughs> did your spouse ever get on your nerves please stand and testify babe so what I tell Belen, lovingly James, is, babe, just be thankful that you have me. <laughs> uh, so, because it'll help improve the fact that, believe it or not, it could be worse. <laughs> Maybe. Number five, gratitude opens the door to people and opportunities. Look what God has done here because we're grateful that God has built this church. Number six, gratitude is the evidence of spiritual maturity. If you're not getting all these, these are on paper out at the guest services desk. Gratitude is the, or go back and watch it online. Gratitude is the evidence of spiritual maturity. Number seven, gratitude pleases God and brings his blessings. Isn't it amazing at Thanksgiving? that we'll spend the whole day and you guys are gonna be cooking and you're gonna have a Ryan's buffet out there and, and everybody's gonna get fat and, and we're gonna just eat all this stuff Thursday. And, um, and then the guys, you know, hey, where's the gravy? Uh, football game's on, can you hold up turkey off for a minute? Um, you know, and we gotta go to the Egg Bowl. So, you know, all this stuff's going down and we'll go to the egg bowl, we'll eat until we can't breathe. 
and we'll go through the whole Thanksgiving day and say a 60-second prayer, and that's all we are is thankful. No wonder we're toxic people. No wonder your marriage is and you're killing each other. No wonder your kids are all screwed up. We don't know how to be thankful. We don't know how to just be quiet and be thankful for what God has given us and blessed us in our lives to be still and to tell him. You know what's the greatest moment of a parent? What's the greatest day of your parent? I know it happens all the time in your home, Grant and Lindsay, but it's when Taylor just lovingly runs in and you know how quiet she usually is. And, uh, and so Taylor just runs into your house and she just says, Mom and Dad, I am so thankful for everything you've given me, my car, my life, and, and everything that I have in my life. And, but you remember, especially when they were little, because they don't do it as teenagers, but you remember when they were little, and you remember that moment as a parent when you've been you know, dealing with vomit and poop and everything else in between, and then your little kid just looks at you and he goes, thank you, Mommy. Thank you, Daddy. Does that not light you up, the whole reason you're a parent? is to hear them say thank you. I mean, that just, do you know that that's what God wants to hear from you? When's the last time you told your father, your heavenly father that saved you from hell, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for everything that I am and everything that I have. No wonder we don't see the signs of the times. We're toxic people. Gratitude changes that. And here's what you have to be thankful for. If all of your life is chaos, Dr. Tim Keller nails it. And here's what I want to leave you guys with this morning. Jesus did not come to earth, to, to this earth first, to bring justice, but to rather bear it. He came not with a sword in his hands, but with nails through his hands. Christians' teaching for centuries has been this. And we get that, it's true. But Jesus dies on the cross in our place taking the punishment of our sins deserve, that our sins deserve so that someday he can t- return to earth and to end all of the evil without destroying us all. You know what that simply means? Jesus Christ loves you and he died for you. And when all the other storms of your life are blowing around you, Nothing changes this truth. Do you know? (laughs) You realize on your best day, you ever have a good day? Hopefully today's a good day. But on your best day, do you know who loves you more than anybody else? Who is it? Say it with me. Who loves you more than anybody else on your best day? Here's what y'all keep missing. Everybody ever have a bad day? On your worst day. On your worst day. And maybe that's where you're at right now. On your worst day, who loves you more than anybody else on the planet? It does not change whether you're having a worst day or a best day. does not matter to him. He still loves you just the same. Somebody say amen. And it's all because of what he did. That's a game changer. When we realize just because I screwed it all up, just because I didn't read the signs of the times well, he still 
pursues me and loves me. I don't know what kind of chaos is going on in your life, but know this, Jesus hurts with you. He loves you today. And he just says, if you'll let me, I'll walk with you through this storm. And I promise you, I'll carry you through. Would you stand with me this morning and allow Jesus to provide you healing? As we sing a verse of invitation, you need to come today. Would you ask Jesus to forgive you and to heal you as we sing? Thank you for listening to the Sermon Playback Podcast from Connect Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. Connect Church has two worship services on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 10.30. We sincerely hope you'll visit. For more information and details, or if you have any questions you'd like answered, please visit our website at www.triconnect.church. Again, that's www.triconnect.church.